Hi and welcome. That made you squint. It was just a little bit, though. I'm okay. Okay. Well, this is podcasting to perfection. This is our Tremors podcast. Who the hell are you? I'm Hannah Backwards. And I'm Brad Breakfast. We we are going over Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. Is that right? Yeah. Did I get that all correct? Yes, it is. This is my least favorite of favorite. Ah, <laughs> this is my least favorite of the Tremors movies. It was definitely the most boring and hard to pay attention to for something like this. Yeah. But we made it fun. We did. <laughs> and we're gonna talk about it. And who's our guest? We have Hattie Eubanks with us tonight. That is most fantastic. We've had Hattie on How Do You Do? Yes. Uh, a couple episodes back. And and, and Hattie is a what? Did, what did we decide? Seamstress? Is that what you you are? Uh, Taylor seamstress. That's yeah. good. All right. Yeah, check out that one if you're curious. It's super fun. It's a super fun episode. We learned a lot of stuff, and now we're going to talk about the uh, arguably worst of the Tremors <laughs> movies before they got on with. You know, the Asylum-style <laughs> sci-fi movie, sci-fi original film stuff. Yeah. Like, this is when they were still... I don't know if I want to say taking it seriously, but... Yeah, and, I mean, it can arguably, ar- excuse me, arguably be the fifth installment, because they're technically... Some people consider the series to be the fourth. Yeah. But we're doing it as like the fourth movie since it is Tremors Four. Yeah, we've we've considered going back and, and going over the Tremors series uh, on the next season. We may do that. We may not. We still haven't completely decided. Hey, listeners, why don't you tell us what you want to hear? You can email us at podcasting to perfection at gmail dot com. Bingo! Let's hit that button. <laughs> that means that you did well. <laughs> Uh, listeners, you can't see this, but I just gave Hannah a chocolate for for doing well. All right. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's let's start. So, how does this, how does this start? It starts with, uh, there's like just a dusty Western landscape. That's familiar. Yeah. So we've obviously traveled back in time some. Yeah. And we, uh, we see... Some, like, rail cars, and then a mine. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, we don't know what kind of mine, but, uh, you know, it's it's the southwest of of the U.S., so it's going to be silver or copper. Yeah. We know that. Uh, and then we see some miners, and uh, we see Juan. Mm-hmm. Juan. Juan's a cool dude. And then we see a... Uh, we, we don't really see it, but there's, like, a guy who goes halfway into the ceiling of the mine and then just gets uh, kind of sucked in, right? Yeah. And we hear him. We hear him scream, but then everybody's like, okay, well, where's that one guy? Oh, that's, no, that's the second, the second yeah. attack. So the first one, we just hear it. The second one, that guy gets pulled in looking for the first one. Yeah. And... And then everybody flees and fade to black. Because if we know one thing about Tremors movies is that they don't show the monster for a little while. Yeah, they love giving their not-so-subtle um, hints of what you're about to see. And yeah. there's always a lead-up. Um, and then, so we get to the title scene. So we get to see, uh, it basically just says Rejection. We see the iconic water tower, but it's actually rejection that's painted on the side instead of perfection. 
Um, we see that it's obviously a mining town, but unfortunately about 95% of it is shut down. So it's abandoned. It's, you know, dusty. And then we start running into some of the characters. The first one, or kind of, is Tacopa. He's the Native American who lived in the mining town. Um, he was always a hard worker for the whole town. He does make a flagpole before Nevada has adopted a flag. That's, is, that's a fun scene. Yeah. He's just like digging the, digging the hole. <laughs> yeah. And she, he gets asked what he's doing. He's like, I'm digging a flagpole. Uh, before we go into all the rest of the characters, Hattie, who's your favorite character? <sighs> that's tough. That's fair. Um, to say I don't know the um oh my god the guy who comes in black hand from the city oh Hiram yeah Hi- so Bert's ancestor yes yes yeah not Again. sure how far back but obviously the bridge original he, yeah it's gonna be like great great grandfather something <laughs> like that because we know around the we know the time that it it takes place. Um, yeah, it's like 1886. Yeah, just after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevada isn't a state yet, I don't think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Hiram is my favorite to a degree because when they introduce him, he's uh, real fancy. <laughs> yes. He's so <laughs> pompous, but in such a great way. <laughs> they they redeem him really well too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I go. like the subtle hints that we'll talk about too. Yeah. Um, so we meet uh, the Tacopa. He also owned a cigar store, Indian Wood statue, but he claimed that it was him. It said it was him, but as a statue. So th- that was funny to me because I grew up with those statues, and yes. I've been told that's a statue of me several times <laughs> yeah. by just like some weirdo who's at the store. Where I grew up in that <laughs> little town, uh, we had a store that was called Leon's Indian Store. That was a really big, oh, a really big deal at one point. And uh, they, you know, they sold silver and turquoise jewelry, um, <laughs> a lot of that. And they had a big. Uh, I was always told it's called a cigar store Indian. I don't like that word very much. Yeah, try to say Native American, but. I look it. I'm talking about 1990 Sepulpa, Oklahoma. So, hey, that's where I, I live. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the the remnants of the store are still there. Um, Interesting. It's kind of a cool little building. It's like a pueblo style building on. Oh, I know exactly. What is it still there? Uh, the building is there. I don't know what it is it's now. Empty, I think. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Some too. Uh, so so who's we, who's next? We get a pan of a Chang's Market, um, which is still as obviously the epicenter of the town. Yeah, which is which is awesome to see. So that's the original Chang's Market that began and stayed in that in the whole series, and they play a, a very important part. So there's Pyong Chang, Lu Wang Chang, which is the wife, and then Fu Yin, which is the little boy. I want to talk about Fu Yin. <laughs> Because, I don't know, maybe this kid wasn't a great actor. I'm not saying he wasn't a great actor. I'm saying maybe he wasn't, because it is apparent that they overdubbed every single one of his lines. Yeah. If you really look, 
it's just very difficult. I feel like I was watching those old kung fu movies a little bit during that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's overdubbing. It yeah. doesn't look natural. It doesn't sound natural. <laughs> the sound signature doesn't line up with the rest of the dialogue. Yeah. It's um, did, did that bother you at all, or am I just a weirdo? I don't think I noticed that as much as how <laughs> racist their costumes were yeah <laughs> yeah i was like oh no they're all dressed like characters in a 90s arcade game <laughs> uh and like com- yeah. complete with the long braid and yeah. like uh and her little like buns mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it just it, it bothered me yeah well and they constantly talked about china yeah too oh like, yeah that was they did but they had uh, and when they weren't speaking what I assume is Mandarin or Cantonese, mm-hmm. uh, they had no accent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, almost none. <laughs> Which I feel like that isn't accurate. If they were really just four-ish years <laughs> away from coming to the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to be, you know, on the good the right side of history when i when i say that that is a problematic depiction of chinese americans yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, let's get to there's more of that yeah so lou the wife is actually practicing the art of i ching I Ching. um it's pronounced that way yeah um the but it's like a sticks and bones type of uh reading yeah um, and it predicts that they expect arrival of a great conqueror. And so later in the yeah. evening, everybody is in town in Chang's. And then uh, Juan is just talking about how the miners have left due to the attacks in the mines. Um, Christine, who is the innkeeper, talks about a telegram uh, about a guest coming. Which, I mean, that really sets up Hiram for failure. Yeah. Like early on. Uh, imagine your only source of news is like a telegram and uh, divination. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever done anything like that? Read the tea? Had somebody read tea leaves for you? Or I never have. I, okay. I personally, it's not my thing. Um, but it's in one of my favorite books as well, uh, "Man in the High Castle." Uh, okay. They they talk about the I Ching a lot. Uh, because, you know, it's not really worth going into. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is, I did, when I read that book, I wanted to know more. So I was like, how do you do this? And you put like sticks and bones in a cup and you, you dump them out real fast. And then they, they make a pattern and then you read that pattern and then that tells you what passage to read. Yeah. And it's really dense and really hard to, to do like properly. Um yeah, and it, she definitely, like, that's basically was part of her religion, yeah. I could tell. Yeah, we, we looked into it, and it's divination, but there's religion that goes with it. And yeah, it was... It's an interesting touch, for sure, um, yeah. considering they only show it once during the whole fucking movie. Well, they show it twice. Oh, they show it twice. Yeah, because it predicts the um, monster. Oh, gotcha, at gotcha. The, like, towards the end. Okay, so... Uh, <sighs> Let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the uh, the carriage arrives, and then we don't see anybody get out. 
Like there are people getting in and they're tr- desperately trying to leave. Yeah, it's like, like get me out of here. Last chopper out of Saigon shit. It's like <laughs> yeah. everybody is is vacating the town very quickly. And uh and then the carriage rolls away and who do we have but Bert fucking Gummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Bert Gummer in a bowler hat. <laughs> Yes. It is, and I love it. I'm so glad that he chose to play that. Yeah, and we learned that it is, uh, it's actually Bert's ancestor. It's Hiram, mm-hmm. uh, strong genes in that family. Yes. And he is the owner of the silver mine. Uh, he's also very clean and doesn't mention firearms once during his introduction, which I think is, I mean, it's jarring, right? Yeah. It's weird because we've seen three movies of him, you know, being the one that's like, hey, you need to be prepared. Why don't you have all this massive, you know, ammunition? And why why don't you know about these missiles? And then he, uh, well, he, he says the special line. <laughs> yeah. So the inn owner, whose name is Christine, tells him that the mine is shut down. And he says, I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. Which? Which was the fancy way, you know, yeah. the proper way, I guess you would say, of saying that. I've been deprived critical need to know information. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, uh, <laughs> they do show him to the uh, hotel, and he sees the guns. There are a bunch of guns on the hotel wall. You said you looked up the guns, right? Yeah. And, and did... Were you surprised that they were real? Yes. they. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. The only thing they said that wasn't real was they, like, renamed a gun so it wasn't, like, the right name. Was it the Sharps rifle? I think that's the one that Okay, because they call it a forty five one twenty, but I think it's a forty five one ten. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> they call it something else, and I was like, oh... They are real. <laughs> it could be a forty-five seventy as well. The thing is about that is Sharps rifles are, they feature heavily in these movies. In the last movie, we saw the double barrel uh, rifle, which oh. normally double barrel shotguns. But these are rifles and they shoot a special cartridge that's like, you know, it's for elef- it's an elephant gun. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, you know, a, a firearms dealer, and I've seen these rifles in person. They're, they're very nice. They're very expensive. Um, talking like five grand for for some of these. And uh, and they're not fun to shoot. They, they look really big. <laughs> they like, are. Big. They're very big. But just handing a person who's never shot a gun a forty five. I mean, a forty five one ten, even a forty five seventy, the the smaller of the series is she's not going to be able to move her arm the next day. <laughs> and that's uh, that cracks me up when I see it. Um, but yeah, uh, so Hiram does notice all the guns behind the check-in desk. He, he actually uh, comments on it, and he's like, why do you have these? Are you a collector? And she says that she's been taking them as payment for room and board. <laughs> so she owns all these, uh, Christine does, and... It is not actually a hotel. And he yeah. takes issue with that immediately. It, it's a tent. It's a big-ass tent with a desk. 
Yeah, and it looks like a barracks room back then. Yeah, to it, me. Yeah, it looks absolutely like a like a military tent of yeah, some sort. Yeah, there's like cots on the floor. There's like eight in there. But <laughs> probably for settlers in Nevada, you know, establishing a mine that that wouldn't be out of the question. I yeah. I think that's historically it's fine. Yeah, the miners would sleep there. Yeah. I would assume they got to have somewhere to sleep, yeah. and then uh, immediately Hiram is terrible. Yes. He, he says, you've got, uh, what is it, flour, molasses, and ginger. I would like a gingerbread cake. Yeah, she was like, so um, do you want some beans? Yeah, I can, I can heat up some <laughs> beans. Oh I can make you a pot of beans. Uh, are you a baker ever, Hattie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, gin, oh. Gingerbread isn't super easy to make, right? I have never made gingerbread before so i have no idea okay <laughs> okay because uh, the only time i've ever made it it came in a roll like you, you just roll it out on the cookie sheet it's you buy it from the store as gingerbread and then you cut it out it's probably not that much different than baking like something else it's just you're you're putting ginger and ginger and molasses, like molasses. yeah yeah well <laughs> Did, she didn't necessarily have yeast, Hiram. Like so, she yeah. so she would have had to be pounding that fucking cake down <laughs> if she didn't have yast because yeah, n- nobody else here is going to have the uh, pleasure of making unleavened bread. But just trust me, it's not a good time. <laughs> There's a reason That's we funny. soak that shit in broth. Yeah, and I mean that. that I mean, it takes time in that time as well. Yeah, like. But uh, but then he is an asshole again. Like after, oh god, he just makes himself so unlikable in the first scenes of the movie, and it's great. And we'll get to why. But he does have one piece of cake left. Um, I don't know who asks for cake for lunch, but I guess fancy boys in eighteen eighty. It's tea Uh, time. Yeah, and uh, he asks Fu Yen if if he would like the last piece of cake, and Fu Yen's like, yeah, absolutely. He says, go get my peach brandy, and Fu Yen goes and gets it, and when he does, he eats the cake. And then uh, then he says that wonderful, wonderful line, anyone can be, ta- uh, can be taken advantage of, if you can, do. Uh, which is just super mean. Like, Christine doesn't like him yeah, because she, of like, that. It was in the corner and, like, scoffed. She was like, that's, a, like, a really mean thing to say. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's a lesson that he has to learn. It's not. Yeah, that's that's not a lesson you need to teach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Juan explains that there still is plenty of silver in the mine, but the miners won't go near it due to the attacks. So Juan knows of a few miners that are still hanging around, though. So he talks to Hiram, and their plan is to gather, try to gather what's left and go to the mine and see what the issue is. Um, We see a lot of Hiram's lack of life experience, I would say. Um, You could tell he was very rich. He didn't do a lot for himself. Um... He was the only one in town who also, like, didn't own a gun, which, which is weird. Yeah, for- Wild West in, I mean, not that everybody owned guns in reality, but at least yeah. when you're writing the Wild West, everybody owned guns. And they, yeah, they reference that. It's the Wild West. Everybody has a gun. And he's like, I've, I've never needed to own one. He's never even shot one. 
So we also see that he doesn't know how to ride a horse. Um, he tries to ride a bike, but it immediately falls apart. I would that assume was my from the terrain part. Yeah, <laughs> when he gets on his little bicycle to go ride out into the sunset. Are yeah, you kidding with his me? Little hat, like <laughs> yeah. This is the all-terrain model, and then just falls apart. I love it. And he just looks at it and he's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Well, you got to ride a horse, asshole. <laughs> like, like, it, was, it was funny. Um, but uh, Hiram actually attempts to get on the horse. And then he looks at Juan and he was like, I'm going to need assistance. Like, can you help me get on this horse? It's hard to get on a horse. It is. It actually really is. <laughs> like, I... I don't think I could without one of like those little step giant step stools they have for them I, now. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've always I mean I'm short and I used to be way shorter mm-hmm. and I I had to I climbed a fence and like got the horse to come over by the fence and then I jumped from the fence to the horse. That was the only way I could get on by myself. <laughs> I could not swing my leg that high because yeah. horse, I can't either. Yeah. yeah. Horses were like head height for me. Oh, that's that's, that's quite big. the leap. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they managed to get Hiram onto the horse and they, you know, make their way uh, gathering the three miners that are basically left in town. Um, and they all agree to head to the mine. And we we get to the mine, but we also notice that they use black powder guns like inside the mines. You mentioned that. Oh, well, so I was just commenting that everything they had would have been black powder. Yeah. They probably didn't have cartridge guns back. I mean, they existed. Like, Samuel Colt was definitely making them at the end of of the Civil War. Okay. But more than likely, most people would be using, like, cap and ball. uh, Okay. 44 caliber for for handguns and 50 caliber for a rifle, something around, around that range. Okay. And I strangely have a lot of experience with black powder. Uh, <laughs> just growing up in a small town. It's not fun to shoot. And, and you gotta, oh man, you gotta clean it every time you shoot it, which takes hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. You gotta like soak them in vinegar and water to get the, <laughs> residue off of them uh yeah so i was just honestly my comment was just damn i'm glad i don't live back then yeah (laughs) well and kind of from what we know we kind of know what to expect going in so we're just like none of that's gonna work yeah yeah so that's what was going through my head as well so they make their way inside and they find a bloody rib cage which is kind of weird um, we've also seen, except to give hints in the very beginning, the, the monster will usually eat the whole person and not leave hints unless there's like kind of a point to them. Well, they, uh, so in like one, they left a head, but that was more of a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. But normally they eat as eat people whole. They ate, I mean, they ate a guy whole in one movie and he stayed alive and they cut him out with a chainsaw. Yeah. That's <laughs> so so yeah, that um, um so But imagine they, you walked into work and there was just like a bloody rib cage on the floor. Would you keep going? Um no. No. Well, maybe. I take a picture of it. <laughs> well, yeah, you're gonna need something to show the police. 
Oh, yeah. Because they're not going to want to go in either. Well, my first thought was definitely not the police. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Call your boss first. Sure. Or I can just clean it up and bring it home. (laughs) (laughs) This is a human rib cage we're talking about. Oh, well, yeah, okay. But, I mean, if during that time, sure. I mean, if I'm trying to find out if I can make money, I'd probably do. I'd probably do it. Like if you owned the mine and that was your workplace. Yeah. You would keep going. Yeah. No, I'd I'd back out. Sell the mine. I like money. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, so they, uh, but they don't find anything else. They don't hear any noises. They see no evidence. They find a hat. Okay. They find a hat and they give it to Juan. Remember, in the beginning of the movie, Juan was talking about getting a hat and they Uh wanted him to buy it on credit. And uh, then they went into the mine and they found a hat and they gave it to him. And they were like, well, he's not going to need it. Uh, Really (laughs) dark joke, but um, I don't, he doesn't take it. No, no, I think definitely. Yeah. You, somebody gave it to him is like, you need a hat. Yeah. Um, And then they decide Hiram basically decides that the mine is safe. Yeah. Um, They decide to set up camp, and Hiram makes a big deal about not having trees around. He, like, literally says, I need trees. Which you, there are a lot of trees out in the desert. Mm -hmm. The deserts are famous for trees. Um, We don't, we, uh, we didn't mention that there are, there are a few other characters at this point. They picked, you, you mentioned that. That there were other miners. Yeah, there were three miners. So, I mean, everybody's just uh, going through this whole thing. Yeah. So, the whole camp, all uh, five of the guys are now deciding to set up camp. And he's like, I need trees because we see that Hiram starts to hang up a hammock. While the other hammocks basically get the, uh, the campers... Get the get it set up. They get the campfire. They tie the horses up. Yeah. They get their cots. Well, he sets up his hammock, which honestly, pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, I'm with him there. Uh, <laughs> what are the other miners' names? I remember Big Hoss. I right? remember Soggy. Soggy. <laughs> and oh god, I can't remember the other I one. Don't either. Uh, we'll 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 pull it up and we'll we'll uh, figure it out. But let's keep going. So. They are sitting all around the campfire, um, and Soggy is playing. They called it a concertina, but, I mean, I don't, is that, because I thought concertinas were some sort of of piano-like instrument, but I guess I'm wrong. Um, I mean, it's an accordion to me. It's a squeeze box. It looks like a miniature accordion. Yeah, yeah, and... uh, they're all kind of complaining about it, and so they tell him, go play that for the horses. <laughs> so he does, which is a bad idea. Never get separated from your group in a nightmare situation like this. Uh, and then they hear the music stop. The horses freak out. Uh, that is, to me, like the early seismographs. I think that's what I said when we were watching it. Yeah. Like how they had that early warning system. They had all the seismographs that were put there because of research. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, somebody goes to check on Soggy after after hearing some weird sounds. And then he hears the music stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And then, uh, so that's when we first see the Graboid. 24 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, 
these are not regular graboids. No. No, they're babies, right? At least they don't look like what we were familiar with from the last mm-hmm. three movies. Um, they look like big trilobites uh, with the yeah. little little legs on the sides, the little spiky legs. And let's see. So, yeah, we, uh, we, do, we did find a plot hole here, too. Yes. Uh, that is where we... We find out, we know that they're babies. Um, later on, a little later, we see that there are eggs. So from egg to baby graboid, we know it's six months. Yeah. But then to full-size adult graboid with the tentacle tongues, it's like two more days. The timeline is, <laughs> yeah. is bad and wrong. Uh, we'll get to that um, once we talk more about the eggs. They... Uh, the the little babies jump out from the ground. They kill another dude. Uh, the teapot that's on the fire, um, my guess is for Hiram because he was packing up a teapot. Yep. Uh, it starts uh, whistling, and a graboid comes up from underneath and uh, gets caught in Hiram's hammock. Yeah. Sort of like, like so it eats it the teapot. It bursts and- out of the teapot and it like squeals. And as it does, they get the, uh, it jumps into the hammock. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they figured out from the teapot, lucky, that <laughs> the sounds actually attract the monsters. So they all get up on rocks, except there's a guy wearing spurs. Now, to me, again, small town experience. That's kind of just desserts because I know that <laughs> spurs are mean. Yes. Like spurs are now considered abusive. Uh, you, you don't wear them unless it's just like a trophy you got from the rodeo. Aren't they illegal in some states? They may be. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because they do really hurt the animal. Oh. And so the oh, guy yeah. wearing spurs and they're jingling, uh, he gets eight, uh-huh. which is fucking awesome. Uh, and we do see uh, Juan and Hiram. They're like, "Well, we got to get back home." But lucky for them, it's all rocks the entire way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they <laughs> what a thought! <laughs> Conveniently, we can just climb on these rocks all the way home mi- for miles and miles. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they do make a reference. Uh, they they. We know it's a reference, and it's something like, what What else would we do? Fly home? Yeah. And that has been stated in one form or another in every single movie. And I'm pretty sure the series, but I'd have to go back and watch. Yeah, we'll have to verify just to see. The series is weird procedural <laughs> fever dream. Uh, it's so weird. It's like a monster of the week, but there's only one monster. God, I love the series. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd is in it. Yeah. Which it's is like oh. Scooby-Doo is like, a tr- you know, the Graboid is like Scooby. It's weird. Yeah, it's fun though. Because <laughs> oh uh, the, the monsters aren't necessarily the Graboids uh-uh. in the series. It's like ghosts. M- ghosts. Uh, there's a, what, a virus in one? Yeah. Made by the military or some shit. An illuminating it's- dust. Yeah. Like, it was, it was weird stuff. So, they make it uh, back from the attack on the rocks. And they tell everybody what they encountered. Um, so, just pretty quickly. We see that Bert is trying to attempt the bike that you see break. 
at the beginning before he has to ride the horse and uh, can't. He just can't figure it out. But Fu sees him trying to figure out how to uh, fix his bike. So later that evening, everyone in town kind of tries to talk about what they're going to do next. Um, Tacopa kind of hints very slightly that these may have been here, you know, way before any of the other settlers had come through. Um, so that they were more ancient. They're not, this isn't anything new. Which we know is true. From yes. previous movies, we know that they're, they're prehistoric monsters. They're, they predate, or they, they were with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Which is I, weird that there's no fossil record, but, uh, you know. You know. Except nobody, in that one movie. Nobody told anybody, you know. It's just generations of keeping it a secret. Well, and the, the uh, Chinese immigrants do have a a word but they call them dirt dragons uh, but it's just in you know mandarin or whatever uh i don't know i don't look if you're gonna beat me up over which dialect of the chinese language it is <laughs> please don't do that i'm trying to be respectful this movie did not try that very hard yes we are trying very very hard so but i just thought it was funny because she's a chang and the uh, niece named the Ass Blaster and Chang named the original one. The so Graboids, was, yeah. Yeah, so it was like a history of naming, like coining the term for the monsters in the area, which I thought was cool. So they, I mean, I guess they kept with the theme, but it's definitely a little racist. It's definitely racist. Um, uh, then um, they all decide that uh, they should probably hire a gunfighter to help them take care of this because they are not equipped for whatever's happening. So they send out a telegram. Now, I don't I don't know how telegram networks worked back then, but I'm guessing it wasn't like posting on a message board, I need a gunfighter. Please right. send one. <laughs> right. Uh, but somehow that worked. So it was yeah, they put it on the telegraph. I think they sent it to Carson City. Telegraph, sorry. Um which which was funny. And um, so we telegram obviously takes a while. So there's some time that passes. So we see after everybody breaks up from the meeting that Fu fixed the bike. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. And the bike <laughs> looks brand new. Uh, really, we know that everything that all that happened was the chain fell off. But somehow <laughs> there is more broken later. Like, I don't know. I'm guessing somebody just smashed demolished. up the bike. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's, he charges him five bucks. Yeah. And Hiram is like, hell no. And Fu is is like, well, I'm the only one in town that can fix this. So you don't have an option. And then he looks at him and says, anyone can be taken advantage of if you can do. And so he was like, eh. Yeah, I mean, taste of your own medicine, old man. Yeah, it was funny. So uh, Hiram then just decides to give him the bike and then teaches him how to ride it. He presents it as a trade, but okay. that doesn't seem like a trade to me. Like, you, yeah. like if you can fix this, I'll let you have it. Like, just let him have it either way. Yeah. It's trash before he fixes it. <laughs> You're not going to be able to write it out here. Yeah, you got to trade something. It, You know what? That's just not how trades work. <laughs> um, and Fight then me. You start to see that Hiram is warming up to the town and Christine is like in the window and is like blushing and, you know, doing that thing. Which uh, we do need to mention. Christine is redhead. Yes. 
Yeah. So we get to see like the OG redhead that yeah. the gummers fell in love with. She is definitely, I mean, she's not exact lookalike to Reba. Yeah. But but not not completely off. I, I think it's close enough uh, no, facsimile. Knows how to shoot and like is, you know, tougher than most. Yeah, she's can, a dope lady. the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we just get a scene that says one month later and we see this big steam engine just kind of roll into town, which was interesting. That was kind of I don't want to say random, but I get there has some time passed. Um, but they use it for well deepening. Yeah. And apparently it's really loud, which I would assume that steam engine is pretty loud. Um, but he's, again, that uppity. Well, how can you guys stand this noise all day? Um, uh, Christine then approaches Hiram about his tab. And suggests a barter for what he owes her so far. Um, and what he has is like a gold watch and chain and some diamond cufflinks. And he gets pretty mad about that. Yeah. He uh, got real defensive, yelled at her and told her to get a proper bank and then he'll pay. And then he just kind of walks away because we saw in the beginning, you know, the bank is closed there was a, you know, a barber. They were closed. There was a kind of offhand comment earlier in the movie where he says, you will start a tab for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll get your money when you get it. But but it there's no more about that. And yeah. then but I guess it's just implied that she does start a tab and she's ready for him to pay it. He doesn't have any money. So she's like, you know, give me your shit. And he says, no, you cannot have my items that have no use here. (laughs) Right. Uh, Um, So then he he literally storms off and he walks over to where the guys, uh, everybody else in town are doing the work at the well. So they're the ones actually, you know, digging the well for the uh, well, I guess. But uh, but he says he's basically too sophisticated to do manual labor. He looked disgusted when everybody was like, hey, do you want to help? He was like, ugh, no. Yeah. It was fun. Um, he then sees the little kid, Foo, come up from the depths of the well in this little basket thing they have. Well, that was before baby Jessica, so we didn't know the dangers of putting children in <laughs> wells. I mean, that's true. And they were like, well, he is honestly the only one big enough that can fit down there or right small now. Enough. Small or, yeah, enough. Yeah, small enough. Um. But he was like, well, he should be playing. So when he's done, he should, you know, go play with his bike. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, it was, it was yeah, like, he's got a bike and a slingshot. That's everything a child needs. Yeah. And he just went over there to yell, him, yell at them about it. Yeah. Um, he does apologize, though. Yeah, he does. Um, he goes back to Christine and is like, look, I'm sorry. These are the items of my late father who basically invested everything that the family owned in that silver mine. Where the monster activity has been, which is kind of uh, kind of shitty. Like he he says his father father father. <laughs> Hello, mama. Uh, yeah, no, he uh, his father lost his mind. Uh-huh. Like he says he says his father more or less had dementia and invested the family's entire fortune into the silver mine, which is no longer producing anything. Yep, except rib cages. <laughs> and 
Everybody's left, you know. Yeah, everybody's left town. There's no money coming in for Hiram. He's got nothing left to his name. Just super sad. Um, I mean, I've seen it happen, but it's the casino. You know, to families. Oh, yeah. yeah I've totally yeah. seen, like, <laughs> like, grandparents give up uh, their entire grandchildren's inheritance and everything they, they own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I get that. Uh, <laughs> it is now nighttime at Chang's. Uh, there's lightning flashes. There's a storm rolling in. Uh, and then we see a shadow. And some, you know, that the stomps and then the ching, ching, ching. And yeah. in bum, comes bum, bum. in the Grim Reaper. They actually mentioned the Grim Reaper, didn't they? Yeah. I think it was Lou that was like the Grim Reaper because his image looked like that. And the guy, a guy comes in in like a black duster and black hat. And he's got silver all over his clothes. And they explain he is Black Hand Kelly because he's wearing a single black glove. Uh, I like to think that there's a robot hand underneath, <laughs> but they don't have robot technology in anything else in this movie, so probably not. And of course, it is raining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the desert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the one night of the year that they get any precipitation at all is when Black Hand Kelly rolls in. <laughs> I Maybe he was like, Storm Cloud, come with me. Yeah. He's and like, he just hey, shot at it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, they explain that he is not going to kill. Well, he. So I love this scene because he's like, who do you want me to kill? That guy. And then <laughs> I think he says that engine or something. Yeah. And I, yeah. Was ju- I just like cringe a little uh, bit. Uh, like, why would they have him kill the, like a friendly person in that room? Right. Like, why would it be there. that guy? <laughs> They would have just killed him already. There's no reason to hire a... Anyway. Uh, (laughs) So they explain dirt dragons, and he's like... uh, He's drinking. He says, this must be a little bit stronger than it tastes, or some shit like that. Yeah. But they uh, they kind of convince him. They, They ask him how well he can shoot, and he says, hey, boy, toss me that apple, and everybody tenses up. And he throws him the apple, and Black Hand Kelly just eats it. He's like, <laughs> which like real I aggressively though too. I thought it was kind of a clever scene. Like, they, I mean, you are expecting him to shoot it, yeah. and he doesn't. So then they're like, "Well, how well can you shoot then?" And he shoots a sausage off the wall, <laughs> which like you shouldn't be putting sausages on the wall anyway. <laughs> I'm for that. Uh, but they don't have any money to pay him, and that is where we now understand uh, that Hi- Hiram's heart has grown a little bit, Grinch style, you know? Yeah. He decides he's going to pony up that jewelry that he had left from his father, just those little pieces. Um It was, I think, a $20 gold coin or something. Is it yeah. $20? And his, like... Diamond cufflinks. Yeah, and and he actually does. He pays that, and that does impress Christine. You <laughs> yeah. can tell she's 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 going for she's it. She's making those oogly eyes over. Yeah. She's like, ooh, that's so important to you. I mean, personally, <laughs> I think Juan was the better catch. Yeah, I agree. But she's going for Hiram. I mean, he does have the most potential to make money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning, Juan, Hiram, and Black Hand Kelly 
go to the mines. They, uh, Black Hand Kelly makes fun of Hiram for not being able to get on the horse. He says, have some respect, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then Lou, who earlier was trying to get one to pay for a hat or to put it on credit, like anything to make a buck. Yeah. She softens up a little bit, too. Yeah. And she gives it's one. It's on the house. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's on the house. Yeah, you know, you like, need a hat. Nobody goes without a hat, you know? And she, yeah, she does say no one goes without a hat in China. Which, yeah. all right. Uh, <laughs> everyone cold. is shocked. Yeah. Then Christine brings out some guns. Is that right? Yeah. So she takes the ones that are from behind the desk at the end. She's yeah. like, here, guys, you should take what I have. Yeah, I mean, might as well. Yeah. So then back at the uh, at the camp, they start trying to lure the monster, but nothing is coming out. No, there's there's no monster in sight. Black Hand Kelly is very obviously getting uh, tired of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Annoyed. And then they see. That the hot spring uh, from, I guess, that feeds the well. Yeah. If I remember correctly. I think it was uh, from like the mines. Yeah, there's some erosion and they find these eggshells. They're pretty big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're huge. They're, they're like ostrich eggs. And <laughs> they know that that stream, that, that hot spring has been there for six months. That's when they, they built it. Uh-huh. It's, it's artificial. Uh, so the eggshells uh, must have been warmed up by the warm water, and that's why they hatched. That's why they hatched. It incubated them. And then uh, they do see that uh, there, there's more along the lines. There's more evidence yeah, that so the monsters are shedding and growing at a very fast rate. But not really anything from... I mean, from birth, they're tiny. They're, I mean, they're the size of a softball. And yeah. then they get to this, you know, six foot long trilobite thing. That, that are the- just kind of jumpy and like they don't really burrow. They're real quick. And then so there's like they have the hard outer shell. And so that's what they find. They yeah. kind of find a, a piece of a shell. So they didn't. Yeah. It's one of the spiky things from his back. Yeah. But. That growth rate just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Because it goes from that to the big guy. Yes. Then we get to see the familiar monster. Yeah. What we know of as the original grab. Right. Right. With the penis tongues. Yes. Uh, they, <laughs> la, 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 la. That's, it, it's true. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot, Hattie. Yeah. That monster has dicks in his mouth. It originally looked like a, a dick. They're not wrong. They had to change it, yeah. Yeah, it was way too phallic. It's veiny. (laughs) It's got a frenulum, but so do tongues. But uh, then we do see old Fred's wagon. Uh, We have not been introduced to old Fred. No, they're just, I think Juan's like, oh, wait, I think that's old Fred's wagon. So apparently he's been missing. Yeah, and it's the wagon is broken in half. Now, this happened in the first movie. Yeah. And remember, we saw those deleted scenes where they actually introduce old Fred and where he gets eaten. But in in the actual release of the movie, all they show is they pick up the hat and his head is underneath it. Yeah. Well, in this one, they pick up the hat. You're fully expecting to see a head. There's no head. Then a gust of wind blows one of the the tarps from the wagon and there's old Fred. There's the head. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's just like. 
you know, stand it like I don't know. It was obviously decapitated. It, yeah, and his head was just there, and it's real gross, and it's scary. It's a jump scare, and it's cheap, but I love it. Yeah. So they um, know of a camping site nearby, or they need to find a town to camp, and it's a mulling station. Um, they're not going to be camping on the ground. They said they need a structure. So they're setting up the beds, and the Black Hand Kelly tells Hiram basically to always be prepared. This is where we start to see... Some of the familiar Gummer um, aspects start to come. Like we make this makes sense. This influenced who he's going to be later. Yeah, he tells him to face the door. Yeah, so he's like, "Don't sleep with you, you know, your head with the door behind you." Which I agree anyway. Smart. Yeah. So he's like, "You always need to be prepared." So night falls, and they're just kind of sitting around talking, and then all of a sudden we see the horses, or we hear the horses start to freak out. Which again is like an early detection of something's going, something's going down. Um, then the horses we see get away, and then a tentacle, the familiar penile tentacle, comes out through one of the holes in the walls, which is about fifty-two minutes in, and so that's where we see that familiar um, look of the monster. Yeah, yeah. We well, they think that it's just a bunch of small monsters now yeah they think there are three um individual tiny monsters and they're getting into but we know we know better yeah um so it comes through the wall and a black and kelly starts to shoot it um shoot it enough to retreat which was nice i mean it definitely took quite quite a lot of ammo to do that yeah so they realized this wasn't something that was going to be easy to kill so this was their first interaction with that type of monster uh the smell yeah and then they're all like you know what stinks (laughs) we know that they stink because kevin bacon said it in the first movie yes Val was Val was very graphic in his description of what it smells like. <laughs> well, it smells bad. This was like supposed to be the prequel, but it was like the same movie, you know, just in a different setting almost. Um, but then we see, or the Black Hand Kelly sees that Hiram grabbed the smallest gun. Um, he Hiram found that the, the most fitting, which is again weird against his character that we know he always has the missiles, like he has the overkill, the Gatlin guns, the yeah. you know, which is which is fun to see. Um, so basically, uh, BHK is what I'm going to call him now. Def- uh, kind of teach him how to defend, kind of teach him how to shoot, you know, trying to help him out in this situation, and he is bad at shooting <laughs> he is a bad shot yes um doesn't does he ever hit a target no nope well yeah. at the very end we'll get to that okay oh but lots of misses i'll tell you that and um he's uh they're basically like okay well our horses are gone and we have no way to leave so we gotta now defend ourselves against whatever this thing is um and this time, it's interesting that it seems like the Graboids have come back with a plan. So they start to show up again. And I think it was all of them at that time. Wasn't it all three? I believe so, yeah. Um, they start taking the plank. like they, The railroad. Yeah. Uh, they break the wall like in perfect shape, just enough to pull a plank through. 
which I thought was it was like a cookie cutter, you know, yeah, well, cutaway. We, which we I know they're funny. they're capable of planning. They do that in the first movie. Yeah, they adapt mm-hmm. and they adapt pretty quickly. Like it only takes one before they're like, okay, well, let's regroup. Um, so we see that again, and um, they uh, slowly start to move the planks one by one uh, using the tongues from underneath so they use they know that there's a telegraph inside this mewling station so they're like hey go ahead and click see if we can get somebody um to come up with you know come help us because they're gonna eat us and he doesn't know morse code so he's just clicking wildly. And which is causing noise. And they know that noise attracts these monsters. So it's any time now at this point. Yeah. But they do. Uh, the people in the town in, in rejection know that there is a telegraph in the muling station. So, so they're like, well, that's the only place it could be from. Which is uh, lucky of lucky for them. Because... <laughs> Christine is uh, the only one who can go there. Uh Everyone else is out getting firewood. So back at the station, uh, one of the graboids manages to get through the space they cleared and comes up right under Juan, who is using the telegraph. But he jumps on top of it, and Black Ann Kelly shoots it enough to retreat. And then the graboids take the whole floor. So Black Hand Kelly attempts to get to safety, but his silver accessories give him away, and he gets eaten. Yeah, which, honestly, that was the best part. It is, tink, yeah. Tink, tink, and it was his like little dangle, like charms that gave him away. And then they run out of ammo, so two more graboids show up. That's what it was. It was one at first, and then yeah. the others showed up. And they're like, "Hey, you need help." <laughs> so they are being followed uh, since Christine gets there uh rescues them yeah it's except for black hand kelly poor guy uh <laughs> they do get dick. they do get followed uh we see the graboid like under the bridge coming after him but they get away yeah they do they now, do the town is safe um sort of because there's a ridge that surrounds it yeah, uh, which they also kind of addressed in the first. They're in a very rocky area, so it's it's not really a direct path into their town. Right. Now, they all kind of discuss uh, abandoning their home, but everyone stays except for Hiram. Hiram kind of loses that redemption he had. He, yeah. he he is a coward. He He's like, no, fuck this. I'm giving up the mine. Um and Christine is like, well, you got a bill to pay, so I'll take the mine. And he's like, fine. And <laughs> yeah. and he goes to the train station. But uh, the Chang family is not done. Like, they're not leaving. They discuss it. They go back and forth a little bit. And they're definitely not going uh, back to China because, well, th- they said China isn't perfect, but nowhere is perfect. They're so patriotic. They really are. Oh. Yeah. Well, they're they're proud of their home. They're proud of where they've of how far they've come. Yeah. Yeah. They did briefly discuss going and working on the railroad. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Ugh. Fu Yen is not a fan of that idea. You can tell. Uh, but yeah, so they go back and forth. Hiram and Christine go back and forth, and 
Christine ultimately is like, if you don't give me the mine, I'm going to send a telegraph ahead of you telling everyone <laughs> about the dirt dragons. Like, it's kind of some blackmail. It is like a she's game of chess and she went like, yeah she's not playing like she's not here to play she's queen bitch in charge right there uh now Hiram does yeah like I said he he says fine he gives it up uh he leaves Fu even tries to stop him but Hiram makes it to the next town over which is called Valiant which is a much busier town, and all the stores are open. He does settle into a nice motel. Uh, back at Rejection, Juan sees the puffs of dirt coming from the ground. Uh, they're heading towards the town. They know their time is limited, and it got through the ridge. So, bad news, Rejection is about to get leveled. Uh, <laughs> Lou does use the I Ching again and predicts it says, uh, expect a ferocious arrival, which if you didn't know about the dirt dragons, how would you read that? that? That'd be pretty fucking dark. Right. I feel like it's, to me, it's like those daily horoscopes. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it applies to everything. It really does. Uh, Christine is resigned to, you know, this is it. This is the end of rejection and very sad, um, now now we see Carson City, uh, which is where Hiram has made it to. He decides to buy a train ticket, and a telegraph comes in. Now, the, the guy... Just in time. Yeah, right? just in time. It is a masterful Woo! plot device. <laughs> uh, the telegraph operator slash ticket seller is like, ho, 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 those people down in rejection sure are silly. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he even calls them like funnier than a dancing bear or something like that. Yeah, yeah they're funnier weird. than a dancing bear. Yeah. <laughs> but the telegraph says rejection needs help from monsters. And Hi I mean he turns around and Hiram is gone. We know what Hiram's doing. So he sees a firearm store, he's got his gold watch, and next thing we know. We're back in rejection. <laughs> right. For we know Shadow what's coming up. Hinting, you know. <clears throat> so uh, we're back at rejection and the town is packing up. They've got all the wagons packed. Um, the, the Chang family is going back at this point. Yeah, they start talking about their home and they're like, okay, well, you know, we have no other option. We'd rather go back to China than work the railroads, basically. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going their separate ways. So... Uh, Juan is on a scout duty and he starts to see those big puffs of dust that yeah. we know as like these monsters are coming. And so, um, uh, but it's not what we see actually is Hiram with a huge wagon and uh, it's full of guns. So we know he's now coming back with just massive amounts of guns, which I was happy to see. You know, it's it's a return to form. It's how we know Bert and the other movies. <laughs> yeah. Coming prepared. So he tells them all that he sold his watch, his gold watch to buy everything. And, you know, it was a couple guns and the town is like, OK, let's let's fight for our town. Let's stay here. We do. You know, this is home. So they make a plan. They set traps, a triangle of rock. 
uh, they'll like dangle the triangle and bang it on the rock to try to attract the monster. They get the cannon ready. It's a punt gun, right? Yeah, it's a two-inch bore punt gun. <laughs> Which you, neither of you thought was real. Yeah, no, I thought it was to, had to be prop. I was like, this is not... This, this is, is cartoonish. Yeah, so I only know it exists because I've looked up, like, what is the biggest shotgun? And that <laughs> okay. is the biggest shotgun. They're illegal because they're not sporting, but as I told you both, they're, uh, they're for ducks. Like, you would load the punt gun with lead shot and scare the ducks and they'd, they'd all take off and you just shoot into a crowd of ducks, <laughs> which, I mean, you can kill like 20 at a time. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, I mean, that's unsportsly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you start to see uh, Lou going around and putting cans on sticks into the ground so that if something comes under it, they'll start to hear. So yeah. they've got like early detection system around the perimeter. Um, which I thought was cool. And then they decided to like use the steam engine in some way. They knew that it was a powerful engine and it was going to be loud. So it was going to be useful. So they do try to lure the dirt dragon into the middle of the town. So there was a rock and they had just rope suspended with a triangle and someone would just kind of yank on it and it would like ting, ting. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But they did it all day and nothing showed up. Um, then it was kind of just like everybody was tired, but then all of a sudden the cans started to alert and um, one shows up. They get the cannon ready, everything set up, and they have a moment. It emerges and they miss. You missed with a cannon. Hiram misses. <laughs> Which, again, to me, he hasn't really hit much since then. His hit rate is horrible. No, he's a bad shot. Yeah. So, um, he the grab boy retreats, and then we see him kind of start to circle around. So, he's like, he's making his way. I kind of feel like it was a Jaws moment where, like, you know, uh-huh. like, which was cool. And, which is an homage to those monster movies as well. Um, they uh, graboid. Uh, so everybody then is like, hey, reload. Like, it's coming back around. So the Graboid then reemerges in the same spot, but before they can fire, grabs the cannon, grabs the punt gun, and it just, like, takes it down with them. Um, so then it goes back on the ground and chases Juan up a pole. Which we've seen. Yeah. From the first movie. Where he was on the uh, tele- telephone Yeah, wire. he, he yep. ambled up a telephone pole <laughs> and then died. Yeah, from dehydration. It was yeah. great. Um, so, Tacopa actually distracts the Graboid, which I thought was in a cool way, where he, like, threw the saw in the ground and started banging on it. Um, and it got the attention, and it just rammed its head, stri- you know, straight first, you know, into the blades underground. And then you see the pumpkin guts come from up there, which was like a classic. Yeah. (laughs) And it is the ooze. It is pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like canned pumpkin and tomato soup. Yes. Which is great. I love that. So um, 
that one's dead. We then see a third one, which comes for Tacopa as he, like, runs into the shop. And we see it eat something and, like, go back into the ground. So we don't know that Tacopa is alive or not. But all of a sudden, we see that statue get spit out. And Tacopa comes up from the store safe. So yeah. we got to see, you know, him not get eaten. But there's no uh, ammo left. Yeah. And we still have a monster that is alive. So they figure out that Chang can combine the black powder that they had to make explosives because he used to make fireworks in China. Of fucking course he did. Oh my God. He was like, yeah, I used to make fireworks. I was like, yeah. Come on, guys. Ooh, yeah, you did. Um, the telegraph then all of a sudden starts going off inside of the market. And we know that Fu is inside because Hiram told him to go there. You know, he needs to protect our base. Um, then, uh, the graboid comes from the floor and demolishes the tent. Yeah. So they had a solid storefront, but everything else was a tent. And so all we know is that Fu is inside with the graboid, but we see Fu kind of start, you know, moving around the tent and he like cut his way through. That's and fine. Good. Because if you kill Fu, I, I'm going to riot. Don't kill the kid. Yeah, don't kill the kid. Now, Lou, Fu, and Christine get into the wagon. Graboid comes after them. A tentacle does grab Fu. Oh, come on. We know better. Uh, (laughs) Hiram, Tacopa, and Pyong make a plan to pull the Graboid away with the steam engine and black powder. And they do. They pull it off, and it explodes. The town wins. Ta-da. The last Graboid (laughs) is dead. Uh... Now you can't you can't call the town rejection if you want people to move back, right? So yeah. they have to change the name, and that is one of Hiram's. Uh, like that's something he says. Like if I'm going to stay here, you're going to change the name. So you see, yeah. you see, who is it? Is it Juan changing the repainting oh, no, it's the Pyong. Pyong. It's Pyong. Yeah, they change it to perfection. Which, when I first saw it, uh, when I first saw him painting it, I thought it said erection, and I giggled for a long time. Yeah. Because that's that's a way to get people to move in. <laughs> yeah, I'd move there. Erection, uh, Nevada. They do, th- they do say the mine will be reopened. Uh, the bank is open. They give the mine rights back to Hiram. Yeah, the town's like, hey you can have the mine back we don't really want to take it from you but he has conditions and one of them is that they change the name another they never tell anyone about the dirt dragons don't tell anyone and that all the profits from the mine go back into the town because he has decided he's gonna live there yeah and he's gonna have a a compound yeah, he describes a house with a basement. With a basement, yeah. <laughs> so we know that that house is still standing in the first movie uh, some 110 years later. Yeah, we get to see the evolution of, of that. And then we get to see him shooting some more. Because Hiram, Christine, and Fu have set up some cans. Christine, beautiful shot, a crack shot. Every can, of course, bam, bam, everyone, bam. You know, from the hip, it's just like bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Hiram can't shoot shit. He cannot hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> it's super sad. 
So Christine asks Hiram if he's going to leave, but he's going to stay. That's where he explains he's going to have a fortified house with the basement. And yeah. Christine says, that's a lot of house for you. Uh-huh. For, for just you. Uh-huh. Blink, blink, blink. And Hiram <laughs> says, hopefully it won't be, it won't just be me. And then there are smiles. Did they, but I had an issue with that. I did too. Because did they discuss, I mean, they did they go on a date? No. Like, is there anything, we don't see any romance. He's just like, he's just like, hey lady who we just trauma bonded, uh, <laughs> You want to move into my house? And she's like, yep. He's like, I did all these good things for you. Do you love me yet? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I love that you can make money. Yeah, that's, that is setting up the relationship to fail. Uh, Christine does give him a gift, though. So I'm guessing they were dating a little bit. Yeah, there's uh, stuff that it didn't want to put in. A Gatling gun. Yeah, so like and like the big ones that uh, yeah, that's a ga- a Gatling gun has the revolving barrels. Yeah, they're technically semi-auto. They are legal to own and shoot because oh, no. all you do you turn a crank and that pulls each trigger or it, it fires. It's each firing mechanism. That's so, the distinction. Yeah, it's not considered full automatic, but in practice, it really is. <laughs> uh, and then he just decimates their little shooting gallery it's awesome and uh yeah he like gets you know like laughing maniacally because he's so excited like you know shooting this massive gun he's just like "Ah, like yeah you can tell it really does something to him and i i know we both thought i hope this doesn't awaken anything in me which is Uh, a community reference yeah but our (laughs) listeners will know that i'm sure of it uh so this this wraps up we we've gone over another another movie, another Tremors movie. I think we wrapped it up pretty well. Now this one's going to be a lot harder to find sound effects for because this is not one of the most popular movies. <laughs> but we would like that to change. Yeah. So to our listeners, and we've got. I mean, we're going on like two thousand listeners. Oh yeah. That's which is fucking awesome. Thank you for listening. Yeah. And I'm sorry that we were delayed a little bit, but we're back, and you know, keep on listening. Yeah, we're gonna keep bringing these to you. But what I'm asking from our listeners is that our listeners look. You guys know everyone has seen Tremors 1. Probably most of those people have seen Tremors 2. Show them the third movie. Show them the fourth movie. Show them all the way through the seventh. Because we want to have more people able to enjoy this movie with us. Because it's just such a dope series. It's so campy. It's so fun. Like we've said, it is literally the greatest franchise series out there. It, it is. Hattie, what do you think? It's oh. your favorite movie series, right? Oh, I love Tremors. Yeah. <laughs> you were the first person. When I when I said I announced this podcast, you were the first person. You were like, yes! I love Tremors. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's classic. Yes. So, folks, go out. Uh, Walmart has the DVD collection. Um, buy that. Buy it from Amazon. Get the series. Whatever you got to do. Show it to your friends. We love you. We're going to keep doing this. Please keep coming back. Um, And you guys got anything else to say? Nope. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. All right. (laughs) Well, till next time.